That's How about John Kerry? Oh, boy. Well, I, as I said in one of my post-election tirades, um, Howard Dean was our real choice. Um, John Kerry was our last resort. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show 27 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today is from Norristown, Pennsylvania. Rayquel, welcome to You Are the Guest. Hi, thank you. Uh, It's good to be on. (laughs) Would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, my name is Rayquel, um, a.k.a. Sistress. I am the host creator um, of the Triscast, which is, a, I guess, a personal pop culture podcast that I've been doing since May of last year. Um, I'm 28 years old. I like long walks in the rain. No, never mind. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. Everybody else does. Yeah, it's like, uh... <laughs> Um, I'm just a big old fangirl, as I, I've, I've said before, and uh, I'm uh, well. I'm a lifelong resident of uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, East Coast girl all the way, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you'll find out more once you interview me. So, Norristown is a part of Philadelphia, correct? Well, not exactly. Uh, Narstown is, uh, well, it's a part of Montgomery County, which is one of the outlying suburban counties that that is along, that it rests outside of Philadelphia. Um, actually, uh, Narstown is the county seat of, of Montgomery County, meaning that, like, all of the county's business as far as, legis- I wouldn't say legislature, but uh, we have a county courthouse here. There are a lot of lawyers here. Um, a lot of uh, uh, municipal and county offices are in Norristown. So it's sort of like the capital of the county. And by extension, um, it's about uh, 20 to 30 miles west of Philadelphia. So uh, you could hop on a train and be there within an hour. So it's, it's just really close to the city. Have you always lived in Norristown? Yes, I was born here. Matter of fact, um, if I'm, I would be the fourth generation of my family on both sides to live here. Uh, educated here, raised here, everything. I still live here. Um, I guess I'll probably die here. I don't know. <laughs> we were talking before the interview about the last show, which was from Cleveland, and I sense a little bit that as we talked about Bill Clinton, that you might want to kind of express maybe a, a point counterpoint about what I said about Bill Clinton. Well, yeah, it's like I didn't see Clinton as this overly bad guy because, um, you know, what? to be perfectly frank, yes, he did cheat on his wife and <clears throat> lied about it. But in 
I mean, in context to what other presidents have lied about, um, I think that it was not the the deal, the biggest deal that, um, uh, I mean, like that it wasn't necessarily a travesty of justice or treason. Now, um, you know, one thing that did anger me about the whole Clinton impeachment thing is that, you know, he was trying to do his job to defend our country against Osama bin Laden when he blew up the uh, Kenyan well, the American embassy in Kenya, I believe. And he also had a hand in the U.S. coal explosion. And Republicans, many of whom who have had extramarital affairs and done some of the same things that they accused Clinton of doing, um, they accused him of being a chicken hawk. They accused him of wagging the dog, trying to, you know, def you know, deflect attention away from his uh, supposed crime of the century, and that cost us, you know, later on, obviously, with the um, things that were going on with September 11th, and. In hindsight, you know, I think that giving Clinton a bad rap, especially from many conservatives, I think that that is uh, undeserved because unlike George Bush, I feel that he did his job. He cared at least enough about his position to, you know, truly be the commander in chief. Could you see where somebody would have a different opinion as, uh, about Bill Clinton, though? Well, I guess so. Um, you know, the, being that, you know, Bill Clinton came from a completely different walk of life than, say, uh, your aver the, the last few presidents, um, you know, they see him as this wild-haired hippie from the 60s and 70s and, uh, this young upstart or basically, you know, somebody who's willing to, I guess, somebody who is um, going to undo the fabric of society. Um, you know, and of course, you know, cheating on your wife, you know, um, I can understand where people would get up in arms and things like that. But but he was he was cheating on his wife while he was president of the United States and couldn't he just put it on hold for eight years? But at the same time, you know, if you read the Star Report, he was at least doing his job while um, cheating on his wife. So, yeah, but does, don't, uh, don't you think, he, you know, you have to have some sort of a moral, oh, higher standard that just says, you know, I, I know I've done this in the past, uh, and maybe I can, being as president and, and being a role model for many kids, that maybe I should just kind of put it on hold for eight years and then afterwards, you know, I can play the field? Well, um, speaking as somebody who's uh, dealt with infidelity, um, I would say uh, from an ethical as opposed to a moral, a moral standpoint, because I have a problem with like the whole like uh, semantics of the word moral. I mean, basically, I'm an atheist, so technically, I don't have morals, I have ethics. So, ethically, from a standpoint, you know, he should have, you know, not compromise his position or taken advantage of his position by doing that um, if it was him initiating it or her or the, the you know Monica Lewinsky he should have been a man about it and said look you know I represent the United States and the image that it represents you know I can't do this 
But then on the other hand, it's like, you know, I his personal conduct is one thing, but you know, I'm more cut. I was more impressed with the job that he did. You know, I I think that you know, as a statesman, I think he um, he was a better person than maybe he was personally. But don't you think you need to be one of the same? For example, if somebody is so, somebody cannot be trusted in their personal life, how can you then trust them in their professional life? Well, I guess if I have to quote Chris Rock, it's like, you know, he's President Clinton, not Pastor Clinton, not Reverend Clinton, but Pastor but President Clinton. And you know, there's there was a book out around that same time, The Sex Lives of the Presidents, and like, you know, just about uh, there were quite a few presidents that had done the same thing. And, uh, you know, you don't read about that in the history books. I mean, obviously Kennedy was sleeping around. Um, you know, I think they even hinted that a couple of presidents besides Lincoln were gay. Um, but still, they had... Um, they had all accomplished some things that will put them in the history books, you know, that shaped the country to what it is. I mean, you know, I think that someone has to have at least enough ethics to um, delegate how they were going, how they're going to shape um, the laws that, well, uh, well, you have to be at least ethical enough not to, like, you know, cut, you know, programs that could help people or, you know, um, you know, rob, you know, the treasury of, like, every dime it has and, you know, um, embezzle money to some third world country for nukes or something. I mean, you know, I think of ethical ethics in that regard. I mean, I... You know, I, I can understand how, as, uh, you know, when you want to look at this person, you know, it's like, well, are they schizophrenic? You know, what type of person? I mean, that, that is important, but I feel like it's more important. Like, I, I guess I'm more of a pragmatist. I'm like, okay, get, you know what where do you stand on this that and the other and i think that would lead me to believe or lead me to determine what type of person they are tell me why the black community considers bill clinton to be the first black president oh well a lot of uh, black comedians make the joke that you know uh bill clinton is the first black president because he smoked we admitted to smoking weed and he uh admitted to well had to admit he got caught cheating on his wife so that's uh yeah or i guess you know a, a lot of um you know working class black people can relate to those situations so they're like all right you know um, also, I guess uh, he probably won the black community when he showed up on the Arsenio Hall show. I remember back at that time, um, I never went to sleep without watching Arsenio Hall first. You know, that was my nightcap. It, I was not going to bed until after Arsenio. As there were times where my whole entire family would stay up and watch. So seeing uh, Bill Clinton on Arsenio Hall, it's like, you know, 
I know a lot of people watched Arsenio Hall. There weren't a lot of black night, uh, night talk show hosts on TV. Um, you know, I think he clinched it. You know, it's like, hey, he's one of us, and he can play a mean sax. So... So then tell me this. What was the attraction with the black community when it came to Al Gore? He wasn't Bush. And that was it. Because he was he was almost opposite of Bill Clinton in, in, in a lot of personality and charisma, correct? Or would you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I would. I wasn't really a fan. I've, I haven't been a fan of Tipper Gore. I mean, as uh, you know, I've listened to rock music most of my life, so I've been kind of pissed off at Tipper Gore for years. And, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people used to make the joke of, like, Tipper Gore getting to the White House, and it's just like that kind of made me uneasy. But, and I never liked Joe Lieberman, but that's How about like, John oh, Kerry? Oh, boy. Well, I, as I said in one of my post-election tirades, um, Howard Dean was our real choice. Um, John Kerry was our last resort. That's the way I feel. Like, you know... Uh, I guess I wanted to believe that he kind of had some of that Kennedy sparkle since he was from uh, Boston and he was a true blue liberal. And, uh, you know, I guess um, I have an affinity for him because, um, well, not him, but I mean his wife, because I remember uh, the accident that claimed her first husband's life. I, 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 I remember where I was when I heard about that. So I... You know, I'm thinking, well, you know, he could, he's, he's, he's not Bush. <laughs> he's not Bush. He's a Democrat. And, you know, he, at least he, him and Dan Rather put together did more time in Vietnam than Bush did. So, you know, I, I just was not happy with the Bush administration. I'm still not. And, uh, you know, I was willing to, by any means necessary, I, you know, we'll, you know, cross that bridge when we come to it he's he's just got to go so where do you think howard dean is taking the democratic party i'm hoping <laughs> taking the democratic party back to its roots to being a party of the people and not a party of the partisan you know there are a lot of uh democrats that are trying to go to the middle to try to appeal to everybody like that's the one thing that has disappointed me about hillary clinton you know i donated something to her campaign and then i find out that she um you know got involved in that ridiculous thing about the uh, video game rating system and i'm like i play video games you know it's like i you know, I watch TV about video games. I watch G4 all the time on cable. And, you know, here she is trying to legislate something that is a part of my life. And, you know, I, there are a lot of other issues mixed up in that. But I'm like, what happened to the Hillary that I had on my, the, the you know, the, I talked about having a glossy of Hillary Clinton on my wall next to my rock and roll posters in high school. You know, what happened to that Hillary, the one that wanted health care for everybody that, you know, that was very out about being pro-choice and about being um, about having women take leadership roles. And the one that I thought wanted to, you know, it takes a village. What happened to her? Where is she? Uh, hopefully Howard Dean, he'll have that fire that, you know, he was uh, he came under fire for to kind of light the fire under the DNC and say, hey, you know, we got to wake up, you know. What things does Howard Dean have to offer that will bring the Democratic Party back? Because, you know, respectfully, I don't see it. Well, um, 
you know, during the election, I, uh, I kind of, like, I had wished after the fact that I had gotten more involved in Dean's campaign because I, it wasn't until toward the end that I really saw, you know, the vision that he had for the country and the, um, the perspective that he had about where America should go and what direction we should be leading or what direction we should take America as far as, um, you know, healthcare, obviously he's a doctor, um, you know, the economy, um, you know, he, I think he was all about giving America back to Americans and not to special interests, not to ideologues, not to zealots that want to like reshape everything in their own image in their narrow little, narrow little field of vision. You know, he wanted an America to come together despite our differences rather than split us off into like factions, like, you know, like the famous or near famous, um, post-election um, diagram of the uh, Jesus land and uh, new Canada or new American Canada. Like I, I do have a little bit of a story about like the night after of the election, if I could go into that. Oh, please do. <laughs> okay. Well, I had already been having a bad day and I, the place where I was working at the time, I, I streamed uh, air America radio well, I, I listened to it in the morning, but then I was listening to uh, KYW, which is a local news station, the rest of the day, and I heard, um, you know, the, the concession speech, and there are tears in my eyes, and I'm working at this terminal, and, you know, I just had this really just horrible day, and I had tickets to this concert. There's an industrial concert called, K industrial, I'm sorry, industrial band called KMFDM, and they had their concert that night. So, uh, well, the night of that uh, Carrie conceded, and, uh, you know, I remember I had a fight with my mother over the phone over something really stupid and trivial, and I was already in a right state. So I go to this concert. So this is uh, KMFDM. Some of their, uh, well, they came under fire a few years ago because of the whole trench coat mafia thing. And, you know, um, now that they were on tour and a lot of their um, music and aesthetic and, in, and image was quasi-political and stuff like that, you know, the lead singer was, uh, was talking about the election and I remember he went into this rant, and then everyone started this chant, secession, secession. And I mean, there's liquor served at this place. So I'd already been like knee deep in cider anyway. So it was just, you could just feel it walking in that, you know, usually you have fun at concerts, but it was so tense because a majority of the people who were at the concert were pissed about Bush being in office because there were, I, the thing was is that this there were so many people from all walks of life galvanized to put Bush out of office. I mean, punk rockers and I've I I was on the bus with like old women who had the carry pins and they were like, Oh, I'm so tired. I went to so many. I canvassed everybody. I you know, I'm worried about my social security, I'm worried about my my, my grandchildren and things like that. And, and especially in Philadelphia, which is like a blue town all the way unions run the town don't get it twisted it's like um everyone it was it, mostly everyone was about you know getting bush out of office um 
and to just, you know, watch that election go down and just feel this sense of, oh God, here we are again, you know, and I could feel that, like everyone was on edge and uh, I think we were toasting to the, I don't know, I think we were, yeah, to the new fascism or something like that. I remember joking with a friend, it's like, you know, to, to, to new fascism or something like that. So that was a night I'll probably never forget. So Here's my last political question. In your opinion, and, and maybe you share the opinions that people around you also have of this, but why do you think, that people either like George Bush or they hate his guts? Um, I think it has to do probably, I mean, it would have to do with regional differences. Um, strangely enough, I'm thinking of something that I read in ninth grade, The Killer Angels. Are you familiar with that book? No, I'm not. Um, it was a it was a fictionalized account of the Civil War uh, through the eyes of soldiers, and I remember this one paragraph of this uh, sub, a southern soldier thinking about the I guess ranting, or in his mind he's talking about you know, you know here's the North with all their big belching factories and their 50 million religions and all the you know all these people mixing together. It's like you know they don't understand who we are. Any political questions you want to ask me? I would be safe in assuming that you are, I guess, either right-wing or moderate. I'm right down the middle. I, I'm the guy that everybody spent all the money for trying to influence. Yeah. If we could finally get, like, a multi-party system, which party would you think should become a mainstream party? How about the common sense party? How about something that has as its mantra, you, you have to be able to think like the common man and you have to be able to put together programs that that make sense instead of just trying to win friends and in trying to pay off favors that's what i'd like to see as a third party yeah it makes sense to me <laughs> now if we could only do that yeah i mean to be truthful i am technically nonpartisan because like i had i mean i think after the whole mess with clinton it's just like you know i was a little disappointed i was just like you know it doesn't matter you know the two-party system are just two halves of the same coin and i was a unitarian universalist for a few years so uh when i was at the unitarian universalist church uh there was somebody who gave a talk about the green party and i was the green party for a couple years and then you know after ralph nader pissed me off the first time i uh was like screw it i'm not any party so during this past election i got mail from everybody <laughs> me too <laughs> I, uh, even the republican jewish or republican jews and i'm like my ex-fiance was half jewish so i think they still had his name you know on my address for um voter registration so i got that stuff too I'm just like, Republican Jews? Oh, man. I didn't even know those existed. Well, besides Joe Lieberman, but I don't want to go there. Here are the final five questions. Where is the best place to eat in Philadelphia? Oh, okay. Um, well, let's see. In Philadelphia proper, I uh, the Reading Terminal Market, 
because I'm the type of person I like to have all kinds of choices. And uh, the Reading Terminal Market, I believe it's just off of 11th and Market, and it's uh, right by the train station. It's this big, uh, it's uh, a combination um, smorgasbord. There, there are so many restaurants, and there are uh, gourmet, um, it's, it's a haven for foodies, because you can get all kinds of gourmet uh vegetables, fruits, meats, cheeses, and then you have um, Amish run, well Mennonite, but actual Mennonite Amish running um, home style restaurants or home style booths restaurants. You can get shoe fly pie, you can get cheesesteaks, you can get scrapple, you can get it all down there. Or you know, you can get Chinese, you could get, there's like a little beer garden in there. It's, um, you can get a little taste of everything. Um, uh, but the best meal that I had had, like, was actually in uh, Maniunk, which is kind of part of Philadelphia, but it it, it bleeds into uh, the counties. There's a small Italian restaurant up on a hill it called Mel's World Italian. I had the best meal of my life there with some really good friends about a couple years ago. It's pricey, but it's worth it. What's the best live event, sporting event, or concert that you went to last year? I went to see uh, VNV Nation, which they are a, uh, well, VNV stands for Victory Not Vengeance. They are a legendary industrial rock group, and they came to town a couple months ago, and their show was like so high energy. I'm the type of person, um, you know, I'm a, I'm not one for standing in crowds, and I'm only five four, so standing on the floor of a of a concert really just you know it does not do it for me because I have to look over everyone's heads. But I, there's a balcony at, at the venue, and um, I I usually just sit there in the balcony at this particular venue, and I drink a beer and I enjoy the show. But this uh, show just got me off my feet, and I'm like standing, and I'm like you know, just dancing, and I just could not, I mean, I was, uh, I was just transfixed, I mean, the, the power that they had over the audience, and it, it was just, I think it was just one of the most energy-packed shows I'd ever seen that year, and it's the one that I can remember right now, of course, I'll probably kick myself, and it's like, oh, wait, what about this one? <laughs> Who is someone that has been an inspiration to you? Well, I guess, first and foremost, my late grandmother. Um, I was raised mainly by my grandparents. My folks were around, but it's a long story, but my grandparents were my primary caretakers, and especially my grandmother. We were like bosom buddies. She was the bestest friend I'd ever had, and um, she, I guess I inherited her sense of humor. I, uh, and as some people say that I kind of have her, some, when I am meek and mild, people say that I, I'm like she was. Um, I'm as stubborn as she was. Uh, she, uh, one of the most important things that she ever told me was, uh, I don't understand you, but I love you. And no matter what I was doing, she always had my back. She, you know, she didn't understand what I was all about sometimes, but it's like she loved me and she encouraged me to be who I am. So. Do you use public transportation? Yes, I do. I can't and, afford to go. <laughs> and how is it treating you these days? Well, let's see. After the last strike, uh, pretty good. I mean, it's expensive, and I'm like, oh, God, I wish I had a car. But 
as gas prices are still kind of high, at least 230 to 250 a gallon, most places, um, it's basically what I've got. <laughs> Love it or hate it. And the final question, what's the best thing about living in Norristown? Best thing about living in Norristown, um, it's home. It's where my family is. It's where, you know, I've, it's, no matter where I go, it'll always be a part of me. I guess uh, it's close to, and it's close to everything. It's close to the city. It's close to the malls. It's close to the outlying suburbs. It's like you can get from, it seems like, well, you can get most of the major routes pass through Norristown or are just off of Norristown, outside the city limits, or town limits, I should say. It's, uh... You know, it's sort of like the nexus point. You can get anywhere from there, it seems like to me. So, Rayquell, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Okay, well, I'll start off with the easy one. Um, re like I said, I've, I have a cold, and um, when I'm sick, I usually crave um, cream of mushroom soup, and that's one of my favorite flavors so what is your favorite flavor of soup my favorite flavor especially when i'm sick is chicken noodle or every once in a while i like uh, a tomato soup i guess um following on that it's like a what's your favorite cold remedy apart from soup i have found that i can shake just about anything with about 10 to 12 hours of sleep no matter how bad I'm feeling, I mean, to the point where, you know, I'm, I feel like, you know, I'm really coming down with something or I have. If I can get 10 to 12 hours of sleep, you know, completely straight through, the next day I kick it. So for me, rest is, is the best remedy for anything that I've ever encountered. I guess the last one. Well, this is something that came up in uh, on my live journal friends list. Uh, what is, if you could go back in time and give advice to your 16-year-old self, what would it be? Don't be in such a hurry to live your life. Don't, don't be in such a hurry to grow up. Don't be in such a hurry to get to the next thing. Slow down and enjoy being 16. Quit trying to be 21. How about for you? Um, well, I think one of the things that, um, don't be so uptight about everything and, you know, treasure the time you do have with your grandmother because you might not have that type of time forever. So. Rayquell, thank you so much for being a guest on You Are the Guest. Can you tell people how they can visit your podcast and, and tune in to listen to your show? Well, again, my show is called The Triscast. That's T-R-I-S-C-A-S-T. And uh, you can reach that at triscast.libsyn.com. Uh, feel free to subscribe. Email me. Uh, well, my email is uh, triscast at gmail.com. I'm working on a website and a forum. It's, it's kind of hard because I haven't updated my um, web skills since 1998 so i have a lot to learn and uh in the meantime you know just check out the show and i 
I haven't really done a full show in a while because of the holidays and because of certain situations that have been going on, but um, I'm raring to go. And, well, I mean, after I get back from podcast or con, that is. So. Ray Quell, thank you so much for being a guest on You Are the Guest, and good luck in Philadelphia. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Do you really know if your advertising is working for you? Hi, this is John Bischke from LearnOutloud.com, where people go to enrich their lives and become better at things that are really important to them. When you come to LearnOutloud.com, you'll find the largest selection of educational resources that you can listen to at your convenience and on your schedule. One of our titles that I'd like to recommend to you is Bill Grady's audio seminar titled, How You Can Create Advertising That Really Works. It's a very common sense approach to answering all the questions that many small business owners have when it comes to doing advertising effectively and efficiently. And the best part about Bill's audio seminar is that it comes with a money-back guarantee. For more information on Bill Grady's How You Can Create Advertising That Really Works, go to learnoutloud.com forward slash Bill Grady. Learnoutloud.com, changing the way the world learns. Don't forget that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcast. That wraps up this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.
Music provided from the Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.